Welcome back to the Locked On Blues podcast, your number one source for daily blues content. I'm Josh Hyman. And I'm Thomas Welch. And today we have a very special guest joining us. He writes for KSDK News, St. Louis Game Time, as well as an esteemed uh, member of St. Louis Film Critics and Critics Choice, Dan Buffa. Dan, how's it going? Pretty good, guys. How you doing? Nice little Sunday night. Um, oh, yeah. Everybody everybody healthy? Everybody good? Oh, yeah. New Year. New Year's yeah, I'm me. feeling great. New Year's treating me well. It's good. It's going well so far? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty much, I mean, I, I don't really, I don't know, New Year's always, they always kind of feel the same unless something really changes. So everything's just pretty much been the same the yeah. first week here. All, all blends together. Um, but yeah, to, to kind of kick it off, uh, the Golden Globes are happening currently, like at the moment as we speak. And Dan, you're a big, you're a big, you know, media guy, obviously. What are your, what are your thoughts yes, so far? Any, any upsets, any, any, anyone you feel like got snubbed or want to know what they did? You know, deserve? well, I think I, I got to preface this with the idea that, you know, the Globes are kind of like the, you know, the, the ugly stepchild of all the award shows. Right. And, you know, the Hollywood <laughs> foreign press, they, they split these movies into like drama and comedy categories and it doesn't always work out. And they, they, they usually, are way off with their nominations, but you still watch because sometimes these things can kind of draw a path to the bigger shows like the Screen Actors Guild and the Oscars. So, so far, I mean, tonight you see Laura Dern win for Marriage Story. She was phenomenal in that. And um, Missing Link winning for Best Animated Feature was kind of a surprise, but it was a good one because it's a good movie. But, you know, pretty much um, nothing else really jumps out of me as a, a surprise. Yeah, I mean Tarantino won Best Screenplay for Once Upon a Time, yeah, Hollywood, yeah. Which, which gives me hope for the Oscars. I'd love to see that movie rake some stuff in. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But that's, then, that's the idea of a that's the idea of a movie. You know, you're supposed to take something, even if it's a true event, and kind of do a big like what if on it. It always creates a lot of fun uh, endeavors. Right, and then the other one that caught my eye, which um, which which I've I've been you'll 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 see where this is coming from, Dan. I've been on I've been on your case a little bit, but uh, best actor for a TV series drama. I haven't seen Brian Cox won it for Succession. I haven't seen it, but I do see that Rami Malek was nominated for Mr. Robot, and I have a hard time believing a better performance could exist than that. So that makes me a little upset in a very very biased standpoint. And I know I've been on your case about watching that, Dan. So I I, I hope you can you can watch it and then at some point agree with me on that take but for now i will yeah i will stir hey, along he's a, he, he is phenomenal i mean this is a guy who you know won won the oscar for playing freddie mercury and now he's finding a way to dominate the the tv uh corridor as well that's very impressive yeah he 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 absolutely stole stole the show for the four seasons of that show i i, I can't think of many better uh, TV character performances ever from any show I've ever seen. So, but I, I digress. Unfortunately, I don't have a say in the voting. But if I did, no. And really, I think that even if everybody who wants the the say in the voting always kind of seems fun. But I'm, at the end of the, at the end of it, I, I don't really think I want to be the person that has to go. Yeah, that person's the best. You get a hide from all the rocks being thrown your way. But <laughs> exactly, it's always good to have an opinion because the award shows always bring out such a big variance and who they recognize and you know why they do it and why him over her and stuff mm, like that. Right, right, yeah. Um, but I'm lo- I'm looking forward for the for the big ones coming up. This one's sort of like you said, the, the ugly ugly sister. So. 
Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you kind of get it out of the way first, too. You know, they always do this one. It's kind of like, that's why you put like a drunk Ricky Gervais up there <laughs> just making fun of everybody. It just cuts all the seriousness. It's almost like they're saying, we know we're a joke, so we're just going to have this very funny host just get increasingly drunk by the, you know, the second and third hours of the show, and it should go. make the the idea that you're watching the Globes a little bit less uh, worrisome. Kind of kind of like the Dundies in, from The Office. Exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, Tommy, you got you want to talk some right, so, a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, on the, along the same lines of Golden Globes. Uh, speaking of performances in a supporting role, Ooh. Uh, Jake Allen's been uh, Jake that? Allen's been on, like that transition. <laughs> I swear, you know, uh, it, Jake Allen's been on a tear lately. Not all looks. <laughs> Man, I got a, what I got a, a cross face for over. radio, I think. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, but, um... <laughs> Don't we all, man? <laughs> uh, that's good. That's yeah, Jake good. Allen's been on a tear lately, and I know you've been a vocal skeptic of his for the last couple of seasons. Um, so talk about your feelings watching him play lately, play lately and uh, you know, how, it, how that's kind it, of sitting with you. Yeah, I mean, it's just with really him. It's just so you know, it's it's consistency, right? It's, it's you want the guy to be able to be counted on to to be solid if that's in a starting role or a backup role. And when he was a starter, when you know Brian Elliott kind of cleared out, and it was him, and he seemingly was like the guy who was left when the other person left. Like, okay, we're gonna go back to Jake now. Hopefully, he has his you know his crap together. But it just he never seemed okay. to do it, and he always kind of dropped that by about late December, January. Well, then, you know, Bennington comes up and then Allen, who I've said for years, could be a really good timeshare backup goaltender has settled into that, that role very well. I mean, he's playing better. I noticed his, his positioning in net is better. He's got more confidence, but he's not cocky in that. He's just right. playing it better, playing rebounds better, smothering pucks. I mean, He's making very hard saves that they make him look easy. So I just think maybe it was Bennington, maybe it was Craig Berube, or maybe it was just a combination of, hey, I found my role, I utilized it. Um, the contract, nobody can really get around. I mean, it's good to kind of complain about it. And if there was somebody weeks ago or even weeks ahead, if the situation comes up, yeah, if somebody wants to take that off your hands, you just, you think about that, but – at, at this point, you just want performance from Jake Allen. You have the contract, right. but if he plays like this, he's worth it. Right, right. Yeah. Especially right now, Jake Allen at four point five million is probably better than any backup we could get at yeah. at the reduced probably price. Probably any backup. Yeah. Right. So, so as much as as much as it might hurt, you're, it's not like that's four point five million in dead cap. That's maybe yeah. maybe yeah. maybe one and a half two million more than he he'd get on the open market. Maybe, and I still think he'd get Perhaps, close to what he. Yeah. I th- I still think he'd get close to what he has now on the open market because I think some team hasn't learned their lesson with him and will try him as a starter. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I mean, especially the way he's playing right now. If some team. I am sure that in the next month, Doug Armstrong's phone is going to ring and they're going to ask about Jake Allen. And, you know, more than likely, unless they blow him away with an offer, he's going to say no. But he is going to get offers for a team to go, hey, we would love to take Jake and take that next year's salary and make him a starter. But I think Armstrong, what he did last year, if he didn't have the trade to make, he didn't make a trade. Exactly. And he kept his roster intact, and he just he plowed through the season 
he isn't going to mess around unless, again, he gets blown away with an offer, and I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, um, Doug Armstrong's definitely been someone who who isn't isn't doesn't have a, a trigger finger when it comes to trades. He the trades that he's pulled off lately, it's been guys that he's been you know scouting and working on for a long time, yeah, coveting for a while. Right, right. You know, Braden Shen, who he said he'd been looking at for for a couple seasons. Ryan O'Reilly, who we've been trying to trade yeah. for for a while. The the big the big trades that happen are not, are rare just out of the blue you know he doesn't do his research he's always got something something planned so I'm sure he's got you know a bunch of different scenarios listed for Jake Allen I'm sure he's got a bunch of different guys scouted for potential trades I'm sure there's a lot more going on behind the scenes that we don't sure know. oh yeah yeah but uh, up yeah, until he, he absolutely up, up until uh a few weeks ago or a few few games ago everything was going fine you know team and still is oh, going sure. fine. We're second in the NHL, so I don't think Doug Armstrong uh, would. Enough. Right, I don't think There's Doug so Armstrong many. is going to say, "Okay, fine, I'll sacrifice the rest of the season to trade Jake Allen now." If he because if he can trade him yeah, now, sure. he can, no, he can no probably way. very easily trade him in the off season. Um, and I don't think I don't think getting rid of him and dealing with a, a worse backup that we can't rely on is is a smart plan for the rest of the season, especially shown lately where when the goaltending does get a little bit weaker, when they're not uh, when they're not dominant, um, that it can it can be an issue for this team. So I think we need to keep two goalies that we can rely on for sure for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think you have to. I think that was that was the that was the game plan. That was the, the secret sauce last season. So why? I don't see him messing with that again, unless there's a big offer, which I don't think he's going to be, he's going to find that. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think you both touched on uh, the key with Jake is for him to keep those emotions and keep that cool head. And I think whenever he gets on a spell of three or four or five starts in a row where he has superb outings, I think that really helps him. Um, So in line with that, with the Blues hitting a rocky patch in games against Colorado as well as Las Vegas, how can Blues fans keep a cool head and let and let their emotions keep like from running too high? What do you guys think? You know, I think you just have to look at the body of work. I mean, this was a team that just won eight games in a row. I mean, they they're just going to be a streaky team. I mean, you think back to all the injuries they've had, and the fact that they yes they they won four, and then they lost three, and then they won eight, and now they've lost three. I mean you have to look at the silver lining of even going, okay, well, they got a point against Vegas. It wasn't a pretty point. They should have won the game. But then again, if you look at Vegas's record, you know, they're, they're a good, they're a very good team. I mean, it's like they're getting beat by, by schlubs. The coyotes aren't bad. The avalanche right. the Vegas team, you know, you, you just, you, you don't want to see the trend reach four or five games. So you want to see, the goal production, which has always been my biggest thing with this team, can they score enough goals? There's their bedrock of their attack is their defense and their goaltending, which is great, but you're going to have to have the goal scoring rescue the team like in the last few games when you just don't have it defensively. So I would tell fans that are worried to go just look at the accumulation of points so far, the wins, the, the, the consistency even if they do kind of lose it, you know, except for maybe the, the Colorado game, they're not being blown out. I mean, it's just they're just not finding a way to close that last, you know, 60 minutes or the last 20 minutes of the 60 minutes out. They're just having some faulty play. But look at what they've done right as we're past the new year. I mean, look where they were, where they were a year ago. That's right. all they have right. to do. A year ago, 
you know, Bennington was just fresh and net. Um, they weren't really taking off just yet. They were trying to climb out of the gutter. And now here, they've had a rough patch, but they find themselves right off to the, the NHL point lead, not just the Western Conference right. lead. Yeah, and I, I think that's really important to keep in mind is pretty much every other time I can remember, a Blues losing streak has meant, oh boy, our playoff hopes are in danger or or you know something something drastic. Oh yeah, it has a drastic outlook on the season. I don't. I think we kind of need to step back and, like I've been tweeting about after each loss, and just look at the standings and say, hey, this just is what it, this, this is yeah. right. This is the luxury of having a, an elite team is you can drop a couple straight and and sure. the numbers won't the numbers won't even change. You know, you're still got a comfortable lead on. The, that's why when we were saying, oh, 10 point lead in the Central, it's not with anticipation of that growing to 20 or 30. It's with anticipation of they're gonna they're gonna drop some stinkers they're gonna have some poor games yeah some but, of those but, pucks are, are, are gonna take right. kind of a right. they're not gonna hop off the ice at your look i mean people have to understand a year ago i think some blues fans are starting to finally delete jack hughes from their google search <laughs> exactly you know i mean they're just, they're <laughs> stepping away from the ledge and so it's quite normal for a team in any league in any sport even you look at the washington nationals in baseball they had so many rough patches but they found a way to play right when they had to. The Blues did that last year. And the good thing about this season is that they put up enough points and enough wins to where the inevitable collapse or slide, they're ready for it. It just right. depends on how fast they can bounce back. Because you want to see, now that you've got five games at home, a very important home stretch, you want to get that footing back. You want to get that dominant stretch back. Right. And and I think it's Yeah, just... absolutely. And I think I think that's part of the balance too is um a lot of people like like we're talking about taking a step back and looking at the big picture. Like it's a season, right? If you think of it as a race, um and yeah. each individual game as part of the race, like if they can get out to a three goal lead and then just kind of coast to victory, that's ideal, right? Because they're conserving gas in the tank and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Like Time and time again, teams are going to come back and, like, obviously saw it bit them in the ass against Vegas. But, like, yeah. if they played every game, like, 120% grit and nails, like, every game, like a playoff game, they get to the playoffs, they're going to end up like Tampa Bay and be out in the first round swept. Exactly. So it's it's a balancing act, and you can't you – can't, you can't immerse yourself entirely in the season, in the regular season, and just, like, win the President's Trophy and be like, oh, like – now, like the playoffs are going to be easy because it's a completely different beast. Right. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just kind it's of all about being tipping the It's scales. all about keeping you know the the peaks and the valleys, but you just want to be visiting more peaks. You don't want to be stuck in the valleys. I mean, exactly. every season, eighty-two games, no matter what. I mean, there's just going to be a stretch of play where other team comes back and punches you in the mouth and they steal right. a game. But right. now that the Blues have the perfect remedy to get back on the horses right at home in front of their fans, so they have that opportunity right now. Right, and and I think it, it kind of to to really just sum it up to to ease everyone. I think the Blues last year and the Kings from you know way back when shows that unless you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, all you got to do is get in. 
because anything can happen. Yeah. So I know personally, like look, looking at these, looking at these last few games, um, I've been like, man, you know, it just it 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 feels like the, it should be a lot worse than second or third in the standings uh, in the NHL because you know we're, that's what Blues fans are used to. You you see a couple games losing streak, all of a sudden you go from first in the Central to out of a playoff spot. Exactly. But but you know you look at the standings after each night and you're like, nope, they're still comfortably ahead of uh, ahead of every other team in their division. You know, they still got five points up on Colorado. They, Colorado does have a game in hand, but it's like it's it's nice to be able to say, "Wow, my team just went on a, maybe their worst stretch of the last calendar year," and we still sit second in the NHL, first in the Central, first in the West. With and it's and it's not like the gap is closing tomorrow. No, it's it's just it's just kind of a, it's it's a bump in the road. But it's something they can remedy really fast because they do have that backbone of great defense and very solid goaltending. So all they need to do is just you know just find a way to get that lead, but also don't take their foot off the belt too many times in a game. You know, bury the other team. It's nice when they score three and then they score one two, and then they just their team just gets gassed. So right, they just can't lay up. That that's that that's the big deal for the second half of the season. You really just can't. Take your foot off that pedal. Right, right. Okay. Um, moving forward, shifting away from the the blues a little bit and going into more of uh, another one of your expertises, various expertise. We talk talk some movies. Uh, something I, I love. I love talking movies. So who better to do it with than a professional? There you uh, go. <laughs> my first question, I think, is a, a pretty good one. Pretty, pretty vague, pretty broad. We can all share our, our thoughts. But I want to know: you've seen a lot of movies, uh, you know, because it's part of your job. What's your biggest movie hot take of either? Or I'll ask you two of of this year and then of all time. You know, I think it always comes back to the fact that I, I don't get swept up in the Star Wars drama. Okay. I'm not a, a huge diehard fanatic Star Wars nurse, and I have a lot of friends, film critics, and film fans that just love these movies. And I just I watch them, and I think they occasionally move me. The nostalgia of all the history going back to the '70s, and then the way they've kind of you know, came out over the last, especially in the last like four and a half, five years. But for me, I just I, I don't love them as much as everybody else. I I don't think they're as good as people think they are. I think that I think I'm, I'm just more into other stuff, other genres of, you know, franchises and sequels and, and stuff like that. So that's probably my biggest movie hot take is that I'm just not, I don't think the star Wars films are like the end all be all of uh, okay. cinema. Okay. That's, that's funny because that's, that's a, a part of my, my broad hot take is that I think that <laughs> I think that the latest trend of, you know, Disney and Marvel and basically yeah. basically owning the movies for you know four to six months a year with their I think that that's ruining the movie industry as much as as much yeah. as I as much as I love seeing these huge high budget movies with tons of actors I feel like it gets to a point especially with the recent Avengers movies where all you're doing is putting a bunch of famous people in a big green screen room and spending a lot of money on special effects and while that's entertaining and while that's enjoying it's very frustrating to me that 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 is taking up so much of the so much of the movie budget both monetary monetary value and just 
you know, news value when you know, you're seeing less and less original movies and less and less, you know, actually good, not, not saying that they're not good stories, but well-written stories versus just CGI, yeah. Yeah. you know, whatever. And I, as much as I appreciate the, the entertainment value of them and I enjoy sitting down and watching a Marvel movie, it, it, I can't help but feel like if it, those movies are the reason why I've been like, man, there just haven't been a lot of good original movies lately. And that's because whenever I look at the, whenever I look at the movies page on Twitter or anywhere, it's all, it's all Marvel, all Star Wars. And it's never, it's never, never original stuff anymore, which frustrates me. I I, I, I will say that, you know, I I do think there's some great original stuff. I mean, my number one film of the year was an original movie. It was Peanut Butter Falcon. It was an original tale directed. I think there's a place for those. And I'm not, the biggest critic, I'm, I'm a big Marvel guy, because I think that unlike with DC, even though DC's recovering, I think that they have really built this thing from the ground up with Iron Man uh, 11 years ago, and it's really, and they, you know, I've always found Tony Stark's story to be just as, like, you know, complicated and interesting as somebody in, like, an original film, like Shia LaBeouf's character in Peanut Butter Falcon. I think there's a lot of depth there. I think Kevin Feige, the Marvel CEO, has really created something to where, yeah, it's a lot of movies and it's a lot of cast, but they know how to stick their landing. I've said this in recent weeks about Star Wars. They always seem to have a mixed vision. All these, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, it's like different movies, but Feige put the Russo brothers in charge of finishing this saga with Infinity War and Endgame and yet Civil War and Winter Soldier, that, you know, that precision, I think, overcomes the idea that cinema's being taken over. I mean, if we can just delete remakes and reboots, that would be wonderful. Yeah, that, that's... People that's... like Kevin Feige you want to keep making these movies, and he keeps them tightly edited and tightly wound and very well-produced. I mean, I, I found myself more emotional at the end of Avengers Endgame than I did at the end of a movie that I loved, like Queen and Slim, but it just, I felt the same kind of emotion. So I think if you do it right, you can invade the cinema, cinema all you want. You just don't want to just be big and noisy like a, like a lot of the DC movies. Right, yeah, I think. Yeah, and I think going along with that, um, my hot take for sure would be, personally, I feel like, because I'm a big like horror movie guy, I really like watching scary mm, movies just agreed. because like, yeah. like the jump scares and all that stuff. But I like lately, I probably since like the 2000s, like I don't think I've seen like a horror movie that actually like legitimately scared me because it's all yeah. they all have like the same plot. They do the same scares and like yeah, the rising thing, yeah, music yeah, yeah. and all of that horror stuff. It's like the are... same like cookie cutter thing regurgitated over and over again. And I think the last one I saw that I liked was Halloween because and it was yeah, because I mean, it was set up and it was because it was set up like a 70s or like an 80s movie, yeah, like yeah. slasher film. All of that yeah, stuff. Like so I feel me, like I mean, I think uh, yeah, A Quiet Place, it wasn't even really a horror film. It was like a sci-fi thriller yeah. horror film. That was freaky because mm-hmm. it just didn't seem like we had seen that before. And you, um, you didn't have this thing where you couldn't make a sound and you have a family living out like in the farmland and they have to walk on sand or else these creatures. And the way in the first scene of the movie, sorry, spoiler, this is over two years old, but <laughs> they kill off a kid. I mean, yeah. it just, yeah, his they, family yeah. 
right away they just go, look, we're, we're not messing around. We'll, we'll, we snatched up <laughs> that little Lego loving dude, and this is how we're doing it. That felt fresh to me. So I get you with the horror films and to make them really seem like, okay, is it just in their evil spirit? They shouldn't live in the house. Yeah. He's going to be possessed, and they're all going to die. Yeah. yeah. The the one the one uh, the one name that I'll throw out there is Hereditary. I don't know if you've seen that, Tommy or Dan, but I'm I'm with you. I, I love have, horror. Yeah, I, yeah. I love horror movies, and there aren't a lot that gets me anymore. But but that one, seeing it for the first time, that was like, okay, this is this is one of the horror movies that's gonna that I'm this gonna. Is, this is trippy, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, Tony Collette going just nuts and you had Gabriel Byrne and and then that ending the final 10 minutes I you know it, that, that's where somebody's like look I'm just going to shock the crap out of you yeah, and just, right. you know that, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to do something different and that movie made a good job did a really good job of not necessarily using cheap jump scares just to make you go oh for a second and then it just made oh, no. you feel extremely unsettled and uncomfortable and anxious Ooh. for the entire runtime. Yeah. It, it didn't rely on jump scares at all there was maybe like one moment where I went, oh geez, like ah, but but the rest of it yeah. was just was just me like legitimately tr- forcing myself to keep looking at the screen or like actively like yeah. revol- like oh, yeah. like it was it, it yep, did a very good it. job of making me feel uncomfortable and and made me think about it afterwards and be like, wow, I'm actually gonna this is there's some images that are now burned into my brain. And at the same time Yeah, they're, they're not gonna leave for a little bit. Right. And it, but it, <laughs> and, it, and then it didn't rely on loud noise and sudden movement to scare to no, uh, to create that it sure at didn't. all. It didn't rely at on all. scaring the crap out of you. Right. It just said here's a situation, observe it and experience it, whatever emotions you want. And of course it's gonna be exactly. terrifying because it was unsettling as hell. Tommy, I highly recommend you you check that out if you're a horror movie guy. Yeah, no, that sounds sick. And honestly, it's it kind of sounds like maybe not the plot or whatever, but like that constant like unsettling feeling is oh, yeah. uh, whenever I watch The Good Neighbor on Netflix, which I don't even think that was in theaters, but it's on Netflix. And oh, my God, that one's a good one, too. And there's a plot twist at the end. Uh, if you haven't watched that, I would definitely recommend that because that one's that one's kind of along the same lines of what you were talking about. But yeah, I'll have oh, to check out sure. Hereditary. That sounds sick. Definitely. Um. All right. On the on a bit of a similar similar note, um, this is this is a, one of my favorite movie questions to talk about. If you could pick three movie characters to join your side in a zombie apocalypse, who would you choose and why? You know, I think I have to start off by going with Ripley from Alien because if you're going to be in a zombie apocalypse, she's dealt with aliens. She she knows how to zap these things. So, and Sigourney Weaver, I think, is just scary. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not saying she can't be pretty and that, you know, you, you, you dial her up with some makeup or she's at her best, whatever. I just think when, you know, when the, when, when the chips are down and everybody's screaming, Sigourney Weaver's going to go, look, I have a plan. And, and that's and that's the most important thing. So Ripley's my first on my list. And I probably go with John Wick oh, just because he can he can literally oh, take out about forty five thousand zombies in about 10 minutes with, with about four yeah. handguns. So, John, John and also he's just going to look good doing it too. I mean, he's, he's got, you know, Reeves, he has the long hair, the beard. He doesn't seem to sweat in those movies. I'm very jealous of that. But, <laughs> and, you know, so then you have a guy who, who can kind of handle stuff on the ground. Maybe, maybe Ripley can, can, you know, find a ship or a plane and, and be able to fly it out. Then you got John Wick just kind of comes out of the parachute and starts shooting everybody. And, 
kung fuing and beating the crap out of zombies. You don't understand why this guy in the suit is not afraid of them. So, I mean, I think John Wick is number two. And then I think with three, it's like you, you just kind of go for the grab bag. You just go with the old school. You go Stallone with, with a Rambo. Ooh, just because you know. this guy has been tortured. You know, he's only five foot seven, so you can't even hmm. see Rambo coming. You know, and he's been to so many different wars. He's he's lived through all these decades. Right. And even in his last movie where he can get shot four times, he doesn't die. So, you know, just, hmm. just like Stallone won't die, you know, Rambo never dies. So you have those three people. I think those are like the combo to where I think I think you could survive for a while. Hmm. I like it. I like it. I'm going to go two tanks and then a ranged warrior. All right. So my first okay. one is the Incredible Hulk. Because, yeah, he's oh, close sure. combat and all of that stuff, but, like, I mean, he can jump as far as he wants. And I feel like his gamma radiation will keep him from getting infected from the zombies. Right. Um, there you go. So we'll go that, we'll go that route. And then um, the ranged guy, I would take probably Hawkeye, honestly, just because arrows, badass, all of that stuff. And then number yeah. three is not a character. It's just the actor in his form. It's going to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Ooh. Just because. There you go. Yeah. Like, whatever he does, he's going to excel yeah. in. Okay. He, and then the rock might actually make you laugh too. You know, he might. Exactly. You know, if, if things get too desperate and too dreary and too dark, he'll just like crack a joke or do his, you know, Dane DeVito impersonation. And then all of a sudden people will be <laughs> laughing before they you know, before their inevitable death. Yeah. A little comedic relief. Everybody needs that. Well, yeah, comedy happens. relief is, is needed everywhere in every situation. <laughs> right. Um, I think, I think that kind of um, ties into my first pick. Um, character from one of my favorite movies of all time, maybe my favorite movie character of all time. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna have Aldo Rain joining me because I think he's got that that perfect. Oh comedic, yeah, yeah, that perfect comedic relief. I, I don't think I've laughed harder. Yes, I, I, I don't think I've well ever done. laughed harder at a character in any Tarantino movie than his his two his two roles. But uh, so I think he's yeah. got that co- comedic relief, and then I think of of uh, that movie and that in general, and I think he's got you know big set of balls on him clearly. Um, what's more, sure. ba- what's more badass than going out and and killing Nazis? And he does a he yeah. does a good he does a good job. It takes down takes down uh, Hans Landa, you know, with his with his squad. So maybe yeah. maybe Aldo Rain with the caveat that if needed, he can call on the bastards to help us out as well. And then um, second, I'm not even going to try to pronounce uh, the last name, but but Anton from No Country for Old Men. I, I think yeah. that one. I think that one goes without explanation. I think if you've yeah, seen he, that, I think if you, terrifying dude. Yeah, I think if you've seen that movie, you can't look at his face without just fearing for your life. I, I think that's the whole point. Is yeah. just you know, just the the, the very Evil. sight of him means the end of your life so that's it it's over i think he'd do a good job stay kind of cool calm and collected in, in the zombie apocalypse doesn't really let his emotions get too high or too low sort of like sort of he like he also uh, knows how to really fix himself up too he knows how to treat a wound and you know pull a piece of blade out of his foot or a, or a bullet so he's able to bandage himself up too and that's a big deal right exactly exactly and then so those two are the sort of the cool, calm and collected guys to, you know, keep, keep, keep the cool, keep everyone thinking rational. So then I need a wild card. I'm going to go with um, Kevin Wendell Crumb from Split. 
because there you go. I yeah, think yeah. I think when you think of wildcard, uh, he's the guy. He can be anywhere. He can be anywhere from a from an innocent little schoolgirl to a literal beast who eats people. Yeah, uh, d- depending on depending on whatever his mood. <laughs> right, depending on his mood or the temperature outside or anything like that. So a wild card like that. I'm not might... gonna lie, Josh. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. When you first said Kevin, my immediately Kevin from Home Alone came to my head, and Kevin I was like, from... "Damn, that's a good pick." Yeah. <laughs> Kevin McAllister. Sick. Yeah, don't worry. <laughs> Kevin. Those, those Christmas ornaments are gonna be like the the game. He'll find a way, man. Oh, man. That might he might be on my he might be first off my bench, first on the substitution. There you go, first off the bench. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Thanks so much, Dan, for for joining us. That's gonna be that's that's the last of our questions. But uh, really means a lot that Sounds you. Sounds good, man. Yeah, really means a lot that you sat down with us on a, on a, like you said a Sunday night, talked some hockey. Yeah, uh, we appreciate it. It was a great time. Uh, hopefully, we can. No problem, man. Yeah, yeah. Ho- we'd love to do it again in the future. Uh, that being yeah, of course. Said, yeah, it would be, yeah. be fun. Yeah, definitely. That being said, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, be sure to check out the rest of the week. We got lots of good stuff in the works, more guest interviews, fan mailbag. Make sure you're submitting your questions. And yeah, stay tuned and let's go, Blues.